God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Even in the month of July, churches are open. Amen? Amen. <laughs> I hear it was open last week. I was unable to be here. Um, but I heard it was awesome. I watched it online and confirmed that it was awesome. And uh, let's just thank our youth and kids team for doing such a great job last week. Great word. Here we go, you ready? We're starting a brand new sermon series. As you know, I was out of the pulpit last week, but I just want to just encourage you. I, I don't have this pent-up energy today that I normally have when I miss a week of preaching. It's just normal energy, so I think we're going to be okay. Today is a new sermon series called Never Normal. Never Normal. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, you're not normal. Some of you guys mean that with all of your heart. <laughs> so, listen, the idea is not, it's not unique to us today. It's something that this, this book that Jesus taught again and again to his disciples, that there was something about them that was to be different from their surroundings. Because if they are like their surroundings, if they are like their culture, if they are like their government, if they are like the people around them, then that means that they're serving idols. That means they're living in sexually immoral lives. That means they were living against the word of the Almighty God. So the idea is that Jesus said, I'm calling you out of that, of what the world considers normal, to be in a life that we would call never normal. The word hate is a very strong word. Hate is a word that maybe you grew up like me and you chose a food at some point in your life that you decided that you would hate. If you were to say to your mom at the dinner table after she'd cooked and placed something in front of you, I hate this. I don't know what kind of house you grew up in, but I know that there would be some type of consequence to said action. One of the things that I hated was Brussels sprouts, and therefore we really didn't have it often. I don't even know, Mom, I don't, I don't even know. I, I knew I hated it. But now I've found myself in my life buying that steam bag of Brussels sprouts, you know what I'm talking about? Popping it in the microwave and just eating just that. I know. But hate is a word that when we don't really understand what it means, we may throw it around and say, we hate this movie or we hate that food. But how many of you guys understand that when Jesus uses the word hate in Scripture, he doesn't downplay it. He, he makes sure that everybody knows that the word hate to, hate, to hate your brother, to hate someone, is murder in your heart. So I want to start with helping you know that the word hate is something that Jesus took very seriously. To be never normal speaks of being different. To be like Jesus is to be different, at least compared to the rest of the world. Not world geographically, not world physically, but world lost world, spiritually. To be like Jesus is to be never normal against what the world says is acceptable. How many of you guys know that just because it's legal doesn't mean that God says it's okay? You see, this is why we need to understand that our laws in any nation in the world is below the law of God. Now, the Bible does tell you and I to follow the laws of the land, but it also tells us that when those laws of the land come contrary to Scripture, we are to choose to follow God's law above the law of the land. Amen. See, this is why we see Canada going through such confusion and disruption because pastors are choosing to pastor their flock even though the law of the land says you cannot. In America, we found ourselves in that same situation during COVID for a season. It did not take long for churches to say, enough is enough, we're going to worship the Lord. And aren't you thankful 
that God has covered us throughout. Hate is a word that Jesus has used to describe the relationship of his followers to the relationship of the world. Listen, never normal is not being different. We are different. It's just being different because there's something different about you on the inside. You see, the thing that makes you different has nothing to do with what you look like. The thing that makes you different has to do with the Spirit of God living within you. That's what makes you different. Literally born again. The world, if the world does not treat you different, then maybe you aren't different. But if the world treats you differently, speaking of secular world, if the world treats you differently, then that's a testimony of you being different. Jesus describes that we are to be in the world, but not of the world. Newsflash, if you are a follower of Jesus, you do not belong to this world. There is someone so much greater that has bought you with a price. Amen? In teaching his disciples, he did not dismiss their concerns of being mistreated by the world. As a matter of fact, he restated those concerns, and he affirmed those concerns. Preachers out there that tell you that you will have no, no struggle. Preachers out there that tell you that coming to Jesus is, is, is a solution to every problem in your life, that you'll never have to go in, through anything negative anymore. Preachers that say that are not preaching the gospel. Because Jesus said, in this world you will have struggle. Fear not, he said. I have overcome the world. So yes, you'll go through stuff. Yes, you'll go through challenge. Yes, you'll go through persecution. But yes, Jesus has already been there and he's already overcome on your behalf. Amen? Don't tell me that you're struggling in a, a way that can't compare to anybody else. I want to tell you something. The cross in itself held all the torture, all the pain, all the struggle that any man could ever carry. And he was fully God and fully man, and he took it all upon himself. Why? So he knows what you're going through. For him to go to his own town, Jesus, and to be rejected by family and friends again and again. Did you know that Jesus had a brother named James? that did not believe in him as the Messiah until after he was killed and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. His own brother rejected him. And yet we get upset when that Facebook friend we hadn't seen in 10 years makes a comment on the scripture verse we put on our timeline. Oh, I'm being persecuted. I saw something the other day. Someone was saying, how, how could I go through such horrible storms and persecution? Why, Lord, are you allowing me to go through these things? And the Lord's response is, you're volunteering at VBS. Chill. I mean, guys, I prayed the other day as I was walking that I was okay and I am okay with Jesus. Just, Jesus, come back. It's all, I'm, all, I'm all right. I'm ready when you are, Lord. Take me home. Let, just come back and take your church home. But why are we still here? Because there is work to do. There is a word to be preached. There are prayers to be prayed. There are people still lost and going to hell. And we serve a God that loves them so much that he's willing to let you sit here a little bit longer in 90 degree weather in North Carolina and suffer. Amen? How many of you guys understand that suffering for Jesus is your honor and privilege? Come on. John chapter 15. Jesus lays it out. There'll be some scriptures on the screen here you could follow along. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. If the world hates you, remember that it hated me first. This is Jesus speaking. 
The world would love you as one of its own if, say if, you belong to it. So if you just give up everything that you hold dear about following Jesus, then the world will love you. Friend, if the world loves you, check yourself. If you're not getting any, any kickback from the secular world, then maybe you have just conformed yourself to that world. But you are no longer a part of the world, Jesus says. I chose you to come out of the world so it hates you. Do you remember what I told you? A slave is not greater than the master. Since they persecuted me, naturally they will persecute you. And if they had listened to me, they would listen to you. They will do all of this to you because of me. For they have rejected the one who sent me. They would not be guilty if I had not come and spoken to them. I think of the term ignorance is bliss. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Friend, I want to tell you this morning, you're sitting in here today. Today, by the end of this message, you will now be responsible before God for the word that is preached. Maybe you had not heard this word before, but today you now carry the responsibility of living this life and making that choice. Verse 22, verse 23, anyone who hates me also hates my father. If I hadn't done such miraculous signs among them, then, them, then uh, that no one else could do, they would not be guilty. But as it is, they have seen everything I did. Yet they still hate me and my father. This fulfills what is written in their scriptures. They hated me without cause. Guys, have you ever thought, be it growing up in church, be it a believer, maybe you're here today and you're not, but it, can I just give you a, a, a challenge just to step back and think for just a minute. These people that walked into this tank of baptism, what that baptism is saying, I'm committed to following Jesus. And what that is saying is I'm committed to be a hard worker at my job. I'm committed to being a good student. I'm committed to being a good witness so no one can speak ill of me. I'm committed to staying off of drugs and staying out of clubs. I'm committed to do these things. And yet, take a step back for just a moment and consider that the world hates people like committed to be a good father, a good husband, a good wife, a good mother. I'm committed to be the, a good child. I'm now committed because that's what Jesus has called me to do. And yet, the world hates those people. Why? Because when you take something so filthy and put it beside something that's trying to live a clean, pure, and holy life, the filthy thing feels more and more dirty. Somebody got to hear me today. By your presence, like Jesus, you make people uncomfortable. And can I just tell you, that's okay. Because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and draws people to the Lord. Amen? Don't, don't, make, don't make any mistake here today. You cannot just eke into heaven. The Bible tells us that there are people that say, we did these things in your name. We preached, we prophesied, we were, we were used in working a miracle. We did these things in your name. And Jesus is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. Guys, our heart has to ache with the desire to serve our Heavenly Father and to be like Jesus. And in order to serve Jesus, we've got to hate sin. Come on. Curl your toes in your shoes and let's move on together. Come on. Some of us need to know that it's not okay today just to get along and go along. Jesus called you to disrupt the system like he did. Jesus has called us to shake things up because in only shaking things up will we see people's lives be changed forever. 
You see, this is why we've got to stop being fearful of offending. Sin is sin is sin is sin. Call it what it is and then love them. We can't just call it what it is and condemn because only he condemns, amen? Only he is the judge. We are not called to judge, but we are called to be honest and truthful in a loving way. Listen, now more than ever, we see hate. There's that strong word again. Wearing a strange costume or dressed up as tolerance. We see a culture of hate that has said we tolerate. We're, we're tolerant. We're tolerant of everybody but you. We go along to get along with everybody but you. We want everybody to, to eat free and be merry and, you know, eat, drink, and be merry and love life and love who you love and do what you do and all of these kinds of things and all these little statements that are out there. And, and if you come against that in any way, shape, or form and say, this is not right, Ooh. Well, you're not tolerant, therefore. We see the world laboring love and truth under the title of bigotry. It doesn't matter what title you slap on it. Hate is hate, and truth is truth. Amen? Politicians will tell you this. Tell the same lie enough, it becomes truth. Can I tell you something? That's not what this is. Truth is truth, and it is not changed. God is above it. Amen? It doesn't change. God is not a man who he changes. His word does not lie. Guys, even though society will change, there is nothing new under the sun, the book of Ecclesiastes says. What if I were to tell you that homosexuality was rampant in Bible days? The only difference then as it is now is that there was a sense of living a certain life in front of society and then doing these things behind closed doors. Are you with me? But today there's a movement called pride. Listen, what is the sin that crept into Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Pride. It said, we can be like God. Friends, if pride began the process of the destruction of this world, which triggered the salvation that was needed through Jesus Christ, then don't you think we should humble ourselves and say, God, we yield to what your word says, not what our own flesh desires. I'm just preaching to myself, I guess. This whole series about never normal, God has strategically placed after the simple gospel in our, in our sermon series. It is my hope and my desire that you and I rise up at this time of history and become never normal and uncompromising with the truth of God's love and with the truth of what will happen to those that reject salvation and eternity in hell apart from God. Consider for a moment your life. Every follower of Jesus or self-professing Christian, if your life is not different today than it was before you received Jesus, then this message and these messages should be something you pay close attention to. If you're here today and you're a testimony of radically changed life, of a radically changed life because of following Jesus, with radical obedience and complete commitment to the Word of God, then this message will encourage you to fight the good fight of faith, press on toward the goal. I'm reminded in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through 10, the final instructions 
from the Apostle Paul to a young man named Timothy. Verse 6, it says, Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. Isn't that what everybody in the world is looking for? Just to be happy? But I think that word happy doesn't mean that we're giggling as we shop in the grocery store. I think that word happy speaks of contentment. What do you think? Of just being in a place where we know we're right where God wants us to be. And that in and of itself is great wealth. Verse 7, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Quick question. Everything that plagues our world today, if we were to attach it to something, what is it all about? Money. Am I right? At the end of all of it, drugs, human trafficking, crooked politicians, at the end of all of it, what is it all about? Money. You see, the Word of God does not say that money is evil. Money's just a thing. It's just a thing. But the love, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people, craving money, have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Can I tell you something? I'm wealthy because the Lord God loves me. I've got food and clothes. But I'll tell you the moment that I felt like I arrived in this American dream. You ready? When I got a refrigerator in my garage. That's right. I remember telling Kelly, Kelly, we got a fridge in the garage. Now, granted, it's got out-of-date stuff in there. I don't even know what's out there. But I got one in the garage. You know where it came from? The kitchen. I rolled it out into the garage because I put, got another one in the kitchen. But isn't it silly that I actually thought, okay, yeah, we're, we have arrived, babe. We've got a fridge in the garage. I know it's stupid, but I got a microphone, so I can say it. Verse 10, verse 11, excuse me. But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness in a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith for your true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. If you're here today and you've not made a decision yet to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I hope today you open your heart to this message. That you follow along and you learn what never normal looks like. The challenges of becoming never normal, according to Scripture, is simply this. In John 3.30, John the Baptist, who was baptizing people, water baptism, said it best. His followers came to John the Baptist and said, Hey, you know Jesus is baptizing people over there, and you're baptizing people over there. What you going to do? And John the Baptist said, He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. Can I tell you, the truth of becoming never normal is becoming less and less, and less like you and more and more like him. Amen. If I were to talk to your friends and neighbors and coworkers and say, hey, tell me about Bartholomew. Well, how would you describe, how would you describe him? Well, he is, he is just like Jesus. Now, not only would I be shocked, but if I came back to you and said, hey, Bart, so-and-so said you're just like Jesus, wouldn't you be shocked too? But isn't that the thing, the prize that you and I can place in front of us? To be just like Jesus. I just can't wrap my head around the idea that Jesus would walk into the town 
and heal blind people and, and, and set people free from demons and tell the lame to get up. And then the very town that he entered would turn out hating him. You know who didn't hate him? The guy that could see. <laughs> you know who didn't hate him? The one that's dancing around the corner because he finally is able to stand on his own two legs. You know who didn't hate him? The adulterous woman that he saved her life. You know who didn't hate him? Every person that yielded their heart to him. You know who did? The folks that didn't. So really, it's a pendulum. I've got an object lesson for you guys. Over here, Pastor Mike Teeter, would you please come up here? Don't clap for him. Oh, my God. We'll clap for him after. Your wife is clapping anyway. She didn't listen to her pastor. Here, hold that. Okay. So, Pastor Mike T. Wes, Wes. The lid is not going to come off. Just, it won't. Come right over here. Linston, come here. I got Linston. Linston, come forth. Linston, come forth. Scoot that way just a little bit. Okay. No, go down there. He's trying to get here behind the pulpit. Take off on my sermon. Okay, you're going to stand right here. Okay. For the sake of helping Linston out and making him feel better. Linston is like Jesus. And, and, and Mike, he's just had a, he's had a hard, hard life. Hard life. And he, he's not been serving the Lord. And he's got some decisions he needs to make. So, so it's the pendulum, friend. It's like this. At some point, we make a decision. So, Mike makes a decision, salvation, damnation. Sorry. That's how it is. He makes a decision to follow Jesus. And that's all it takes. You see, we overcomplicate things. We think, give me that. <laughs> Never using you as an illustration again. No. You see, me, me, all I am, I'm just the conduit through which the choice, the question is asked. Mike, you want to serve the Lord Jesus? Yes or no? He releases that thing. He's on his way to becoming more and more like Jesus. Now, the point is this. Clap for both of them. The point is this. Thanks, guys. There'll be a check later for Linston. Just kidding. Nobody write a check for Linston. The point is simply this. We overcomplicate it. Guess what? The work of the cross was on Jesus. You don't have to suffer to salvation. Jesus suffered for your salvation. All you have to do is let go and begin to submit and follow him. Amen? That's all it is. That's all it is. And, and so many times we sit there and say, I'm not good enough. No one's asked you that. Because as soon as I ask you, hey, if you're good enough to follow the Lord Jesus, then stand up. Better nobody stand up in here. Because all of us, according to Scripture, have fallen short of God's glory. We are sinners. That's why we needed Jesus. That's why we need His salvation, His forgiveness, His unconditional love. Listen, I've said this before, but you need to hear this. The love of God is unconditional. The love of God is unconditional. He loves you right where you are. However, the salvation of the Lord is conditional. Catch it. He still loves you when you rebel against him, when you walk away from him, when you deny him. He still loves you. Why? Because you are made in his image and he, he wants so much for you to become someone who has a relationship with him. But salvation is conditional based on what? Based on you saying, Jesus, you are now the Lord of my life. The Lord of my life. Number one, before you freak out about the timing of today, 
It's the sermon series opener, so the intro's longer than normal. Like, oh, he's only on number one. It's okay. I promise to be done by two. Our Espanol service is starting then. Okay, no, just seriously. Number one, never normal in our calling. We are to be never normal in our calling. 1 Peter 1, 1 through 9. It'll be on the screen. Here's what the word says. So get rid of all evil behavior. How much evil behavior do we need to get rid of? How much evil behavior do we need to get rid of? All. Listen. Does that... Raise your hand if that's challenging. And for those of you that aren't raising your hand, I want to see you after service in the prayer room. Just kidding. It's, it's a challenge. We are wired for nonsense. <laughs> right? Now, that is a very nice way of saying you got issues. But we all have issues. But the scripture says to get rid of all evil behavior, be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. What is unkind speech? Hateful speech. Listen, the scripture says in more than one place that we need to be careful about what we say. Somebody's going to get mad at me right now, but I don't care. Stop cussing. Stop it. Listen, when I was in the Marines, I don't know if you know, but that, that some people use profanity in the military. <laughs> My sweet, precious mother, the recruiter came over to our home, and she had a few questions for this fella. Are they going to be nice to him? They're not going to cuss at him, are they? They won't hit them, will they? Oh, Miss Bird, you don't have to worry about any of that. We're not allowed to do any of that. <laughs> I thought I knew words from going to public high school. I learned words in the Marine Corps that I didn't know existed. Can I give can I testify to God's goodness? <laughs> While when I was in the reserves, I didn't cuss when I was in the reserves, you know, at, at the drill weekend. But there was one occasion. I come home from, I think it was the two-week thing. How many of you guys know when you're in it, it just saturates you? So the solution is don't get in it. But I had to be there. Anyway, I was in it. A couple weeks, came home. I got in trouble. I let a word fly. Can't you remember what it was? It's probably not one of the bad words. One of the bad, bad words. One of the not, no, well, I don't know. Anyway, this was years ago. I let a word fly. What? What did you just say? It's the Marine Corps' fault, honey. I didn't have nothing to do. Let no impure words come from your mouth. No unkind language. Can I tell you parents something? Stop calling your kids stupid. Stop telling them they're not going to amount to anything because guess what? They won't. And it might be because of your words. Hold yourself accountable to speak life. An abundant life. Pastor, you saying can't fuss at them? No, I'm saying fuss at them all you want. Just be careful how you do it. See, I grew up in a day and age where we get whoopings. I know what it's like to go pick a switch off the tree. I know what it's like to run into my room and put some extra piece, uh, pairs of underwear on before Dad shows up. I know what that's like. But I also know that you don't discipline out of anger. Parents, you... And then carry out whatever you need to. But don't do it out of anger in your heart. In the same way, you got older kids. I can't spank my kids anymore. They're too big. Don't yell at them out of anger either. Amen? It's a parenting class. Like newborn babies, it says in verse 2, you must crave pure spiritual milk 
so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment. Verse 3, now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. As the scriptures say, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor, and anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Verse 7, yes, you who trust him recognize the honor God has given him. But for those who reject him, the stone the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And he is the stone that makes people stumble, the rock that makes them fall. In other words, your salvation that is found in Jesus is also the thing that when you deny Christ will ultimately lead to your judgment. They stumble because they do not obey God's word and they meet the fate that was planned for them. But you are not like that for you are chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's very own possession. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Never normal in our calling. We are called to priesthood. Priesthood, the idea of leading people into the presence of God. You and I, as followers of Jesus, are to be never normal. We are to be those that point people to Jesus Christ, not drive a wedge into their lives away from him. We serve at the pleasure of the highest spiritual authority in the universe and beyond, Jesus Christ, the priest forever, as it said in Hebrews chapter 7. We are called to serve. The never normal in our calling talks about our service. Believe it or not, there is a hierarchy in heaven. We, you and I, you and I, have the opportunity, Hebrews 1.14, 1 Corinthians 6.3, that we are above even the angels in the next life. Did you know that? You live your life here for your life there. Some of us are so, are so short-sighted, never normal is you understanding that you have eternity after this. Some teenagers in the room feel like, this guy's super old. He's been living forever. Not the case. <laughs> I've been li living long enough to know what not to do sometimes, but I still have a lot to learn. Friend, you need to understand that our life here is a, a, a mist, the Bible says. Here today and gone tomorrow. We are called to go, never normal in our calling. Called to go, to go and preach without reservation and without fear. The, one of the biggest challenges for people in evangelism and sharing their faith is the fear of the reaction of the other person. If you are allowing fear to paralyze you from sharing your faith, then the devil is winning every time. Jesus came in Matthew 28, 18 through 19, came and told the disciples, I have, I have been given all authority. How much authority? How much authority? in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, what we did today. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Aren't you thankful for that? Number two, never normal in our love. Love that isn't focused on ourselves. 1 Corinthians 13, 5 tells us that love does not demand its own way. Jesus in John chapter 17 prayed a prayer that he wants to see the church unite, that we will be known by our love and our unity. Greater Life Church, believe it or not, is the result of a church merger in a day and age where churches split at the drop of a hat, at the color of a pew. Yet, our story is that a five-year-old church in 2017 and an almost 90-year-old church 
voted unanimously to come together and become Greater Life Church. Why? Because God had a special anointing on that. And I believe we do not want to squander what God is doing. Amen? Love that is sourced directly from heaven, John 17, 26, it says. I have revealed you to them, Jesus says, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. Never normal in our devotion, number three. You see, to be never normal is to have a kingdom mentality. Americans have a hard time grasping this because we've always had the luxury of voting in our leader. But a king is a sovereign power. We have a nation that has checks and balances because people are crazy. Amen? But when the king is God, there is no need for checks and balances. He does not make mistakes. Jesus is the king of kings. He is your king and mine. It is a kingdom mentality knowing that when Jesus says do it, we don't, we don't appeal. We say, yes, Lord. Amen? We have a kingdom mentality. Jesus came to the earth to establish a kingdom government. A government ruled by him. Jesus did not come to the, to the earth to establish a religion. Hear me. Every religion has got it wrong. You can even do some historical study and what is considered the Christian religion has killed millions of people over history with the crusades and other activities. Now, I'm not here to throw stones at those things, but I'm telling you, religion always gets it wrong. It was religion that killed Jesus. Jesus came to establish re-establish a relationship between us and the Heavenly Father. We are a holy nation, Exodus 19 says. God tells his people, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. How many of you guys, that sounds good, to be the special treasure of God. From among, among all the peoples on the earth, for all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. Finally, never normal in our devotion speaks of being grafted in. In Romans chapter 11, the scriptures tell us how Israel denied Jesus as Messiah while he was here, that nation. It made room for us as quote-unquote Gentiles, people who aren't of Jewish descent, to become part of the recipients of the salvation that Jesus gives. We are to be a part of from the world in order to be a part of the kingdom of God. Divided devotion is disastrous. Friend, there is no dual citizenship in the kingdom of God. I know some, uh, Tony, my buddy, he had Canadian and United States citizenship. I think he still does, I don't know. Pray for him. Anyway. But there's no dual citizenship in the kingdom of God. You cannot have one foot in the kingdom of darkness and the other foot in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, either you're for me or you're against me. There's no middle. Amen? And guess what? Being lukewarm for Jesus is being against him. The scripture says that lukewarm will be spewed out of the mouth of the Father. In other words, it's not something that, that God has called you to be. It disgusts him. Listen. Before Jesus all the way. In my pocket, I have my passport. This passport speaks of the government of which I'm a citizen. You see, when I go to an airport, or which I'll never do again in my life. Anyway, when, when I travel to another nation, by kayak, I don't know, but when I travel... There's almost as much room in a kayak as there is in an airplane. Sorry. Um, unless you got first-class money. Here we go. Okay. Passport. My passport tells that nation who backs me. If I'm there, I am now under the covering of the United States government. Right? As a matter of fact, 
if you look in your passport, I don't know if you know if you have a passport, there's words in the passport. And some of the words in the passport, it says property of the United States government. Some of the words in the passport, it says don't be stupid when you go to other nations. Well, it's right here in the important information section. But it says at any time, the government deems it necessary, U.S. government property, it can take your passport. It's theirs. You see, but by having this, I have the backing, the blessing even, knowing that I'm a United States citizen. You know what my Bible says? It says that when I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes within me. The Holy Spirit's in me, and and it's called a seal of ownership upon my heart. This is a what? What's this on the front? It's a seal. I got a greater seal on my heart the Holy Spirit. And you see, every time I walk this out in a never normal way and I live my life as unto him, the devil knows that he's sealed. He cannot be touched. I cannot mess with him because he has the backing of the kingdom of God. You see, when I bring the passport to customs, they don't really care who Andrew Bird is. They, they care more about who the United States is. And you see, when I go into battle against the enemy, it doesn't matter who Andrew Bird is because I'm not going for Andrew Bird. I'm going in the name of Jesus as a representative of the kingdom of God. In order to be never normal, we've got to become more like Jesus. And when we become more like Jesus, by default, we become less and less like this world I believe it is high time that the church stops playing games and we shake off this halfway effort and we begin to live like the apostles did where they would even look at death and imprisonment and know that Jesus had their back amen Bow your heads. First Corinthians chapter six tells us as a follower of Christ, it says, You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. That price is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. For the sake of those in the room today, if you're here. You say, Pastor. Say, Andrew, listen. I came here and I have not made a decision to follow Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. When the devil looks at me, he doesn't see the seal of God upon my heart. I need to make that change today. Today is your day of salvation. If you want to give your heart to Christ today, then slip that hand up and look at me right now. I'm going to pray. Right now. Don't wait. I see that hand. Yes, absolutely. I see that hand. Yes. I see that hand. Yes. Put your hand down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly, five seconds. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to ask a prayer team member to come right here. Please, quickly. Would everybody stand in the room for me today right now? You raised your hand. There's a prayer team member standing right here. And they'll be happy to pray with you. Come on forward. Just pray with this wonderful prayer team. And thank you for being responsive to the gospel. Amen. Anybody else? I'm going to ask a prayer team member to come on this side as well. Come on forward, come on forward, come on forward. Go right here. Amen. Right there. Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Move quickly. If you raised your hand, we're going to pray with you. It's going to be awesome. Ask that person sitting with you to come with you. They'll go with you. 
every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, for those that have come forward and those that are giving their hearts to Christ right now, I pray, Lord, that you would change, that you would, you would transform from the inside out, that there would be something radical that would take place right now and in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, God, for the boldness of those that have come forward. May their lives forever be changed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Take a moment, church, and just pray right where you're at. Hallelujah. For everybody else in here today, if you're here today and you need to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus, I have been lukewarm. I have been normal. I have been conformed to the world. And I'm tired of sin and I'm tired of settling. If that's you, then I want you to slip that hand up right now, right where you are. We're going to pray for you too, right now, all over the room. If you want to make a fresh commitment, I see that hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Quickly, wave that hand at me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, right now, God, for the hands that were raised as a commitment to you. Lord, I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're doing a work in hearts and lives. And God, that you would do what only you could do, that you would challenge and change from the inside out. Lord, I pray you would speak life into each, each person that's made that commitment today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And now, Lord, I thank you. I thank you that in my own heart I didn't plan on a call for salvation, but Lord, you did. And so Lord, I thank you. I thank you today that hell has a few less and the kingdom of God has a few more. Give glory to God. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. While you're standing, many of the teenagers that got into this tank today came from youth camp. It was a camp experience that changed them from the inside out. And you ask any one of them, they would, they would tell you how awesome it was. This week, we have children's camp. That's right. The little guys are going to camp this week. They're going to overnight camp. They're going to the beach. It's going to be awesome. But the best part about camp is chapel. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit shows up in a radical way in their hearts and lives. Amen. Can you pray, for, can you pray with me? for those kids going to camp. Come on, let's just pray together. Agree with me. Lord, that you would touch Pastor Hannah and her team as they go to camp this week. May you protect them as they travel. And Lord, do radical works in their life. God, change them from the inside out. Lord, help them to have a great time. Lord, but also fill them with your spirit. Call some of them to missions, to ministry. Bring them back radically saved and radically changed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Have a great week.